If you're looking for great Christian content, we want to encourage you to check out peachtreepress.org. Peachtree Press LLC offers digital products, journals, books, Bible study guides, sermon outlines, Christian blogs, and church notebooks for children and adults. Some products are also available as print on demand. Peachtree Press is a sponsor of this program and a partner in offering authentic Christian content. For more information, check out peachtreepress.org. Welcome back, rappers, to our fourth season of the Ray Reynolds Rap Podcast. If you haven't already done it, please hit that subscribe button or follow us for content on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, check out our website at rayreynoldsrap.com for sermons, weekly blogs, books, study guides, and lots of free stuff. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoy today's program. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the book of Romans. Uh, I want to be finding chapter 13. I want to share with you uh, some thoughts tonight. As we get ready for the new year, people make resolutions. I don't know if you still do that. I love the story of the man who said he has kept every single uh, resolution he's ever made in his life. He keeps them in the top drawer of his desk so that he can remember what resolutions were made. Uh, maybe you decide in the new year to, what's up? You need the keys. What's the password? Okay. Yellow for the fellow. There you go. Everything has to be color coded for me. So yellow for the fellowship hall, yellow for the fellow. Um, so anyways, we make resolutions. We start thinking about things we want to do better. Maybe we, we decide we want to work a little bit on our exercise or our diet. Uh, maybe it's a spiritual thing, like we want to read through the Bible in a year, as we're going to do this year. Uh, maybe it's spending more quality time in prayer. I had a friend say just recently on Facebook that he was going to try to spend uh, quality time every day praying about certain things. And I think that's a wonderful commitment to make. Uh, maybe we decide we want to be more faithful in our giving. We want to think about how we can uh, give back to God uh, more than what, we have, than what we've been given. We want to share as much as we can. We want to think about maybe uh, spending time talking to people about Jesus, talking about evangelism. Maybe there's some people in our lives that we want to focus this year on how to reach them. Um, there's, so there's a lot of things that you could put on that plate uh, I know that one of the things I joke about frequently is uh, I don't like lettuce, never have, never will. But I do occasionally eat a salad because I know it's good for me. And especially if it's like a place like Wolf Bay or the gathering place where I can put a bunch of extras on there and you can't see anything green along with it. But I know that it's important that we focus on our diet. So we're going to talk about lettuce tonight, but not lettuce as in the food, but we're going to use verses in the Bible that say lettuce that will teach us some things that we can do better in the new year. So we're going to start here in Romans chapter 13 and verse 13, and I've got, I've got a 10 or 12 of these here uh, to share with you. But the first one here, Romans 13, 13, it says, let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy. So maybe something we can think about in the coming year is learning how to walk better. Uh, if you've ever had to do any kind of therapy with your feet or with your knees, with your legs, uh, it seems that it would be pretty easy to just get up and go. 
But if you've had a procedure done, it takes time to get back to where you were. And some people may not ever get fully back to where they were as they do therapy, but it certainly helps. And so Paul in this section here of scripture is saying we need to walk properly. We need to head in the right direction. So as we kind of process that tonight, we think about a journey we're going to take. Uh, maybe there are some certain things that you need to put on, right? Uh, if you're going to go on a long trip or a long hike, you maybe want to have certain kind of shoes on your feet. Uh, if it's cold, you want to make sure that you're uh, layered with insulation. You know, I might, my grandpa and my dad used to always talk about put on layers, put on layers. And so you may have like six layers on, but you can always pull a layer off. And so when we, when we take that walk, uh, we have to consider all the things we might need. Now, if you're uh, a planner, an organizer, I do. I have a backpack. It's not with me tonight. But in that backpack, just about any time, I have several things in there I might need. I think Brandon probably does it better than anybody. If you ever ask him about what's in his backpack, he's got everything from medicine to antibacterial stuff. I do have antibacterial stuff in mine. And all kinds of things he has packed in that big backpack. And so you see him wearing it. So what's he got? He is ready for anything. Nuclear war, whatever it is, he is prepared. And I think as we walk with God, we also need to make preparations. Notice here the list. He says, walk properly. In other words, don't walk towards these things. And he gives a list like revelry, drunkenness, lewdness, lust, strife, envy. And there are other additional things we might put in that same category but if you're going to walk towards God, you have to walk away from those things. So maybe as we begin to think about 2024, we begin to notice some things that have distracted us. Uh, Hebrews talks about laying aside the weight that entangles us. It, 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 it entangles us. It, it, it gets around our feet or gets around our arms. It keeps us from being able to run the race with endurance. So when we think about walking properly, we have to think about things to avoid. Maybe there's some things in your diet and in your spiritual diet that you need to take off. In fact, I was talking to my doctor earlier today. She was saying, I'm doing a good job. I like it when I hear that, doing a good job. But she said, there's a few other things I want you to do with your diet. You're going to have to do this and do that. A couple of them were pretty easy. Man, I could do that. She told me, what was it, 140? I should have wrote it down. Like 140 grams of protein I'm supposed to have every day. And I was like, wow, that's a lot of peanut butter. But whatever it is, I said, yes, I can do it. I can, I can manage that. Uh, she also said, here's some things you need to take off. Try not to do any diet drinks or sweeteners. And I said, oh, if I'm out, I mean, I don't know if I can do that, especially my coffee and things. But if I want to be healthy, I have to do it. If I want to be able to achieve my goals, I have to do that. So let us walk properly. Look at chapter 14. We'll notice two more. In chapter 14, Romans uh, verse 13 this is the one we've talked about a lot through, this, through the series on Romans, really. It says, Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather resolve this, not to put a stumbling block or a cause to fall in our brother's way. So it's a two-edged sword here. One, he says, let us not judge. Let's not be harsh. Let's not be critical. Let's not be a person who renders verdict on people when they are making mistakes or doing something that we don't approve of. And then in addition to that, he says not to put a stumbling block in somebody's way. 
if you've ever run track or you've done any kind of sports like that, it's important that whenever you take off in a run, you've got all obstacles cleared out of the way. There's a, there's a video, and it, was, it went viral several years ago, of an athlete about to run and do the long jump. And he's this huge crowd of people and everybody, but everybody knows the long jump's going on. And here's this little girl with her, you know, her pods in her ears just kind of listening to her music. Well, she walks right in front of him, and he just trucks her. She doesn't see him coming because she's in her own little world. And that track is supposed to be kept empty. It's supposed to be kept clear. And so when we run our race, we've got to make sure that all those uh, obstacles, those stumbling blocks have been removed. But, going along with the first point, but in this one, also don't put stumbling blocks in front of other people. In other words, not try to trip somebody up or to make somebody fall. Uh, Paul gets more detailed in a couple other places besides here in Romans about what that means, what it looks like. And that is that if somebody is offended by something, I don't intentionally do something to distract them or discourage them. And, and we all know uh, buttons. You know, we, we know that they're, in fact, if, if you're honest, you probably know a few of your spouse's buttons. I know you know your kids' buttons. And they know yours. And sometimes they'll just get in there and push all the buttons possible. And what Paul's saying is don't be that person. Don't cause somebody to be a person who stumbles. And maybe a, a little bit deeper than that is not to cause them to stumble in a way that would lose their soul. Some people get tripped up by things. But you should not be the reason somebody doesn't know Jesus. You shouldn't be the reason somebody leaves church. You shouldn't be the reason why somebody doesn't read their Bible anymore. Or they don't pray anymore. You shouldn't be the reason why somebody has given up on God. The opposite is what we're supposed to do. So if there's even a, a, a fear or a, um, even a, a negative intention in that way to, to put a stumbling block somewhere, remove that. Think twice before you click post. You know, th think twice before you send that text message or email. Um, don't judge people and don't be a stumbling block to cause somebody to fall. Uh, number three, look at verse 19, same chapter. It says, therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things which one may edify another. So again, twofold here. One is pursuing peace, uh, not causing conflict, not intentionally trying to cause conflict. And the secondary part is anything we do needs to be done for edification. Now, what's the word edification mean? Anybody remember? Edify means to build up. So you have the verse where it says don't trip somebody up. Now it's saying don't cause somebody to be discouraged. So don't trip them up. You're supposed to build them up. So when you see somebody that's weak, don't tease and make fun of them or don't ignore them. Try your very best to help them along. And I'm sure there are people in our circle of friends and probably even people we meet on a daily basis in the community but they just need a good positive word. Maybe, maybe a resolution for us would be something like this. Resolve to say something positive to someone that is a stranger every single day. Every single day. 365 in the year 2024, we are going to say something positive to a stranger. We're going to say something good. We're going to say a kind word. We're going to compliment a hairstyle, an outfit, a car, or whatever. Compliment them on uh, being active. If they're, if they're running down the street, you know, you're doing a good job. You know? <laughs> There's a little girl that's in a, a video on YouTube where she just stands out there and watches all the people run on her street. And says, you're winning. You're winning. 
Uh, and so you need to be that person. You are the cheerleader that somebody needs in 2024. You are the person who can instill hope and build up their faith in the next year. So who can we reach to? Who can we minister to? And then again, pursuing peace. Who can we not cause conflict with? If there's somebody that's given us a lot of trouble, let's try to make it our goal in the next year to not participate. Just because I'm invited to a fight doesn't mean I need to get involved. Number four, let's go over to 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians and be finding chapter 7. All right. Second Corinthians chapter seven and the first verse. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness, of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Each of these have a lot of meaning. We could spend the whole time tonight just focusing on each of these verses. But he says, cleanse yourself. What's it mean to cleanse yourself? What's it mean to cleanse, to be cleansed? Anybody? Okay, get rid of the dirt, to clean it. If you've ever had dishes that you put in the sink and washed and then you set them aside and you realize that you missed something, you probably take it down and you wash it again just to make sure. Uh, cleansing, cleaning means that it is able to be used for a holy purpose. And so you don't want, we shouldn't want, anything in our lives that could corrupt us. So maybe something we could think about is resolving not to allow our eyes to see certain things. Not to allow our ears to hear certain things. Somebody going to talk bad about somebody, I'm not inviting myself to that conversation. I'm going to walk away. I'm going to do it. I got a friend here as a preacher in the community, and I, I didn't know he did this until recently, but every time somebody comes to him and talks about somebody else, he goes, okay, that's a great, let's come over here, let's talk to him. And they don't come to him anymore, because <laughs> he, he says, if you've got a problem, let's go talk together. And uh, I love that. I love him more for knowing that he does that. But when we get invited to an argument, we don't have to participate. Uh, we need to stay clean. We need to keep our eyes clean. Let's think about what kind of movies we watch. Let's think about what kind of music we listen to. Um, let's think about uh, the type of uh, entertainment that we choose. And we keep ourselves clean. We keep ourselves pure. And he says, from the filthiness of the flesh and spirit. So that, just, that doesn't just mean the things that we're doing. It's the things that we're thinking about. We've got to change the way we think. And perfecting holiness, he says, in the fear of God. And that means that I do it with reverence and respect. Um, there's a lot of good reasons why you shouldn't allow certain things to go into your head. You shouldn't watch certain things or listen to certain things. But I can't think of a greater thing than knowing that I want to walk in uh, meekness and fear with my Lord. I don't want to do anything that would cause him to be disappointed in me. I have enough mistakes of my own. You do too. But we should be able to say we are trying our very best. And sometimes people don't do that. Uh, if you've, I mentioned sports a lot because I played sports in high school, a little bit in college. And there were times that I knew there were people on the team that weren't giving their best effort. And that's really hard. When you're out there working and serving, and it happens sometimes in the church too, we get discouraged because we're doing so much, we're working so hard. And we just don't feel like everybody else is up to the same tempo. So let's try our best uh, to do our best. Uh, resolution number five. Let's go to Galatians 
chapter 6. This is the best lettuce I've ever had, right? This is the best. All right. Uh, let's look at another lettuce. Galatians 6, verses 9 and 10. It says, Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So we get a double portion of lettuce here. Okay, first, let us not grow weary. Anybody weary tonight? Anybody tired? Anybody exhausted? Anybody ready for a break? You know, we, we want to be able to rest. And he says, don't become weary when you're doing good things. Don't allow your uh, physical exhaustion to change your spiritual work. That you have to focus on why you're here and what you are called to do. So let us not grow weary. And one of the ways we can do that is when he says to help those of the household of faith. I'm completely for helping people. I believe that it's great when you see somebody out in the community that's homeless. Uh, we had a sister on Facebook today that saw somebody over in Daphne and was saying, hey, could anybody help this person? I love that. I love to see us sharing with our neighbors and with people in our community. I love that we're giving, we're benevolent to certain organizations. Uh, there are probably several that we contribute to throughout the year, but there is no greater work than the work of the Lord. And there is no greater people than the household of God. So Paul says, if you really want to serve the Lord, look for those in the household of faith and do good to them. If we see someone who's a brother and sister and we do not go to their aid, James talks about that. He says to know good and not do it is a sin. It's a sin to say be warm and filled. It's a sin to say I hope you find something to eat. It's a sin to say I hope you find clothes to wear. If I know a brother or sister... Jesus says in Matthew 24 and 25, he gives several different illustrations. But one he gives is he says that if you did it to the least of these, you did it to me. And so I need to be looking, you need to be looking for people within the church. There's nothing wrong with benevolence. We help a lot of people. We do. We help a lot of people. But especially of those of the household of God. If there are people that are children of God and they are Christians, our objective should be to try to help them as quickly as possible. And so that means we have attentive eyes. I'm not saying judgmental. That's not, that's earlier mentioned in one of those, those scriptures. I'm talking about looking at people and saying, how can I help this person? And I mean genuinely help this person. There are some people giving them food is not helping them. Helping them find a job is helping them. You keep giving them food. You teach a man to fish, what? He'll eat for a lifetime. So we need to start teaching people how to fish. We can help all we want financially, with food, with housing, but at some point they're going to be right back where they were. So we need to do a really good job about trying to meet people's needs and help them to get uh, jobs and help them to get housing, whatever we can do to try to get them on the right road. And if we do that, there's a tremendous blessing in it for us. And he says, do not lose heart. Uh, do good. So every time you have an opportunity, do good to all, but especially to the household of faith. Let me pause there. We've been through five. Anybody have any thoughts on these we've mentioned so far? Or anything you want to pull out of one of those verses before we move to number six? Anybody? All right, let's bounce to number six in Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews chapter four. Hebrews chapter four. 
Now, the writer of the book of Hebrews gives us a lot of great insight on what it means to be truly faithful. That's why we have the Hall of Fame of Faith, chapter 11, and then running our race, chapter 12, and reminds us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, which we're getting there. That's another one for tonight. But I want us to focus on verses 14 and 16 of chapter 4. It says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us, so we've got another one here, therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So he challenges us, hold fast our confession. What does that mean? Anybody know what, what this, what's the writer is saying? Let us hold fast our confession. What kind of confession is he referring to? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Our, conf- our confession that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and he died for our sins. We make that confession when we're baptized. And we make that confession every day when we live in the name of Christ. So he says, hold that confession. Make sure that you see it, that you, you reflect on it. Every morning when you get up, what's the first thing you think about? When you go to bed at night, what's the last thing you think about? The Lord should be on our mind throughout the day, but especially as soon as we wake up. Imagine if you every day set up straight in your bed, take a deep breath and go, thank you, Lord, for giving me another day to serve you. And then you put your feet on the ground. What would happen if you did that every day? What would happen if you thought in your first steps in the morning, you go to brush your teeth and shave with that guy in the mirror, you go and you think, how can I be a blessing to someone else this morning? And then throughout our day, be focused on uh, our confession, our faithfulness. Everything we do is an honor and a glory to God. And then he says there towards the end, come boldly to the throne. That means that we need to have boldness in our prayer life. We need to be thinking as we pray that God can and will answer our requests. Sandwiched in here is a great thought when he says, for we do not have a high priest who can't sympathize with our weaknesses. What he's saying is Jesus walked the same walk you're walking. Jesus, you ever been hungry? Jesus was too. You ever been thirsty? Jesus was too. You ever been tired? He was too. You ever had a cold, a cough? I'm sure he experienced those things too. But it says he is, he is someone who understands our weaknesses, our infirmities. Watch these businesses that will take over another corporation and put somebody at the top that nobody has any respect for. They've not done anything to, to get that position other than just they had the right last name. You ever seen that happen? Someone comes into power, comes into a leadership position, and they're telling everybody else what to do. And the people down the food chain are going, we don't know who this guy is or this woman is. We don't know anything about him. They, they haven't been down here working in the, in the ditch with us. They've not been down here getting their hands dirty. And it's something special to have someone as a, a leader or a CEO or in the church, a shepherd, that is willing to get their hands dirty. You, if you want to be a great leader, people need to see you on your knees. They need to know that you're a person of prayer. And being a person of prayer, a prayer of boldness, that is not hesitant, that wherever you are in that moment, stop and pray. It doesn't matter if you're in the grocery store. It doesn't matter if you're at the table at the restaurant. And I know we feel that awkwardness. We do. 
there are times we, we don't hesitate. We do it. In fact, the boys and I play uh, rock, paper, scissors, and the winner gets to pray. That's the way we do it. So they look forward to the little game, and I look forward to knowing that the boys are excited to pray. Somebody's going to pray around that table. And as we, as we begin to focus, I've had people call out. I had somebody behind us not long ago said, I appreciate y'all doing that. We're not doing it for show. I'm not doing it so people will go, oh, look what they're doing. But there are times that the people are looking at you and, the, and you're not sure if the waitress is going to show up. So just make it less awkward. Uh, this is something that, and I know Billy has done this a couple times when I've been with him, that when somebody comes to the table, you learn their name. And then you ask them, we're about to go to prayer, is there anything we can pray about? And you might be able to open up a door there and pray for that person. And that's a special moment you'll share with that server. Um, they may say, no, there's nothing. But sometimes they will have something that they want to pray about. Don't be hesitant to pray boldly in public and also in private. So let's hold fast our confession and come boldly to the throne. Uh, another one in Hebrews chapter 6. Uh, look at, let's look at Hebrews 6 and verse 1. Hebrews 6 and verse 1. Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. Paul, or pardon me, the Hebrew writer says, look for Things that will lead you to perfection. Pursue perfection. Now, anybody in here willing to say that they're perfect? Anybody? Anybody? Uh, do we know someone who's perfect? Probably not. Do we know some people that think that they are? Yeah, no doubt. Don't be that person. When he says go on to perfection, the word that he's using here is the same word for maturity. In other words, we have to grow in our faith. If you're doing the same things you were doing when you became a Christian, you're not growing. Can we say that again? If you're still doing the same things you did when you became a Christian, you're not growing. You have to add to your faith. Sunday morning in our class, we're going to focus on that verse in 2, Timothy, or 2 Peter chapter 1. Where it says, add to your faith. And there are seven specific things. And you might as well look at it as Sunday through Saturday. And that's what we're going to do. There are these seven things that Peter says you need to add to your faith. If we're doing this, and nothing has changed. You know, what, what did you do? I remember, you know, when I was baptized, 11, 11 going on 12 years old. I started going, to, I was going to church anyway, but I, I went to church. That nothing changed. You know, just me going to church. I, I was already going to church. Uh, what about reading my Bible? I did read my Bible. And I, I still read my Bible. But what's changed? So go back and look at the moment you decide to put on Christ. How has your relationship with God affected your daily living? You have to grow. And if you don't grow spiritually, you'll be stuck in a rut. And so why is it I feel like my prayers aren't being heard? Why is it I feel like I'm not really where God wants me to be because we're not growing more. We've got to try to find ways to challenge our faith. Uh, and that means stepping out of our comfort zone sometimes. I, I love that we have a lot of different jobs and works here at the congregation, and we've got a lot of stuff that need to be filled, a lot of jobs that need to be filled. And if we see something that needs to be done, well, then we need to do it with all of our might. Maybe you have a talent that you haven't been using. 
Would you be interested in trying to use that talent to God's glory? Focus on that in the new year. What can you do to build up the family? What can you do to build up the kingdom work? How can you use your talents? So you go on to perfection. And maturity also means that there's going to be some times you fall along the way. Just like when you're learning to walk. It takes a little while. You're going to stumble. You're going to fall down. But we keep moving towards perfection. Now, what is the goal if we're talking about moving towards perfection? Who are we supposed to look to? We're supposed to look to Jesus, right? He is absolutely perfect. He lived the perfect life. He died so that we might be saved. He didn't have any sin. He knew no sin, but God allowed him to become sin for us. And so we need to go on towards maturity. Think about what you can do to be more mature in your walk. Uh, number eight, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10. And I already mentioned these previously, but we're going to hit them again. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 and 24. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. We've already talked about what that confession is. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more the more as you see the day approaching. So this says, again, hold fast to that confession. He talked about chapter 4. But he also says that one of the ways we do that is, he says, let us consider one another. Uh, thinking more about our brother and sister than we am than we are about ourselves. We need to focus on the needs of the church. And one way to do that is to be engaged in the work of the church. Now this verse, you've probably heard this many times. It challenges us that whenever the church family is together, anytime there is an assembly of God's people, we should be there. It says don't, don't, you, don't try to find an excuse out of being there. Try to put that first. Uh, I had a, a challenge I put out to our congregation many years ago where I was preaching. And I said, I want you to put God on the top of your calendar this year. I mean, I want you, unless you are in death's door, don't miss a Bible class and don't miss a sermon. Every time the doors are open, top of your priority list. And there are people going, no problem, I can do that. I can do that. Anything that the church is engaged in, you participate in. Vacation Bible school, all hands on deck. Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Gospel meeting, who's going to go to door knocking? Every single event that the church does, you put that at the top of your priority list. I don't care what else comes in the way. This is number one. Me and my family, we're going to put God first. And I had a sister, it was March, I think. And she missed a Wednesday night because of work. And she was grieved of it. She came to me and she said, this, that was the first service that I had missed all year long. And I was mad the whole time. <laughs> and I said, well, I understand that. I appreciate that. Sometimes there are things that, that come up. But if we put God on the top of our priority list, then everything else comes after that. So he says, and then notice what he says too about the assembly. It's not just about being there. Not just about being present. It's about stirring one another up for love and good works. And the idea of stirring a pot, you know, or stirring the stew, you know, the soup. Uh, the better it's stirred, all those ingredients get in there together, the more pleasing it is to the person who's partaking of it. And who are we here to recognize? Our God. We are here to worship the Lord. And so we need to 
encourage each other to, to do our very best. Don't bring your leftovers. Bring your very, very best when it comes to the work of the Lord. Any other thoughts you want to add there from Hebrews 10 before we move to the last two tonight? Verse 22. Yeah. Let us draw near. There's another let us. That's right. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What's that washing? What's that washing, that cleansing? It's part of our baptism. In fact, later he talks about our confession, that whole experience when we made the decision to repent of our sins and confess our faith in Christ and have our bodies washed we recognize that that starts this new walk. And so he says, now hold on to that and don't let it go. Also, verse 23, that thought of holding on to the confession of our hope without wavering, not allowing distractions to move you out of the will of God. And say, so I'm going to surrender to the will of God. I'm going to give him everything I have. It's easy for us as Christians, especially in the world that we live in, to get distracted. And he says, don't waver. Make a goal and you meet that goal. My goal at the end of next year is to say I did the very best that I possibly could to serve God. And whatever came in that year, whatever happened, I put God first. And that resolution is, as the Hebrew writer says, this is paramount. This is, this is, this is part of looking forward to Jesus' second coming. So exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. In other words, as you think about the end time, the last hour when Jesus returns like a thief in the night, are you going to be ready for that moment? So hold fast to it. Any other thoughts on those? All right. Let's look at 1 John. Got two more. 1 John. And I want to notice uh, one in chapter 3 and one in chapter 4. And there are a lot. These are just the, the 10. As Billy said, there's another one there, verse 22. Actually, 23 and 24, so you could have 12 here if you wanted. Um, and this is the best lettuce you can have, right? All right, so let's look at 1 John 3 and verse 18. 1 John 3, 18. My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Think about what that means. Not just in word. Not just by speaking it with our tongue, but he says by deed and in truth. Uh, sometimes people will say they're going to do something. They will make a promise to do something and they will fall short on that promise. Christians shouldn't do that. We should keep our vows and keep our promises. Uh, we, we make a vow to God. We had better keep it. He takes vows very, very seriously. But here he talks about as a person who says you're going to love people, you better model that. Don't just say it. So uh, it's, if you ever have children uh, that we were talking to somebody the other day about the get-along shirt. Did anybody have a get-along shirt where they, you put your two kids in the same shirt? If you got three, you get them all in the same shirt. The get-along shirt, uh, there's a lot of people that need to learn how to get along. And so it's easy for me to say that I love you, but I also have to show that I love you. What's that? Words are cheap. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I can say whatever I want. And if you are unable to keep a promise, it hinders your relationship with somebody. 
Because if you say, I'll do it, and you don't, then they think less of you. It's, and it's easy to say, uh, like I said, it's easy to say, I love you. Some people say, well, it's not. It really is. It's just three words. But it's more important to keep it. So do you love the Lord? Amen? You love the Lord? The first great commandment. Love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Second is what? Love your neighbor as yourself. You've got to love other people. We might add to, Jesus says, love your enemies. That's another step down a road that's very difficult. But learning to love people is important. We love people. But how do we show that we love them? I heard an old man once say, his wife was upset because he never said, I love you. Didn't say it to the kids, didn't say it to her. And he said, well, I told her I loved her on the day I married her. And if I change my mind, I'll let her know. Ha ha, we all get a good little laugh. But this is a woman who said, all I want to hear are those words from you. I hope that's never said of a couple that, that, they, that they cannot say the words meaningfully. That I love you. Somebody's knocking on something, I think. Is it the Lord knocking if it is, we better be ready. Um, we need to make sure that love comes first. Loving in word and tongue is nothing. Working and loving in deed and truth is more important. And then let's go to chapter 4 for the last one. And verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. It's part of the greatest command song that we often sing together in worship. But he says, let us love one another. This ought to be a top priority, is to love people. You know, I found it's very hard to love people if I don't know them. If I really want to love someone, i got to get to know them. Uh, we have a small congregation. We're not that large. Uh, we're uh, around 150-ish, right around there. There is no reason why we cannot learn each other's names. That if we really love each other, we got to know each other. We need to try and make a goal in the next year to learn people's names and faces. See, if I love you, I miss you when you're gone. You love your spouse, and they're gone, you miss them. You love your children, they're gone, you miss them. If we love each other as a church family, we should miss each other. So if somebody is gone on Sunday and on Wednesday and you... You see that they're gone. If you love them, you check on them. You find out where are they? What's going on? Is everything okay? Is there anything that I can do? So we love them and we show that love. And he says, John says, this is what people of God are known for. They're known for loving the Lord. They're known for loving other people. And then he says, if you love God, if you're born of God and you know God, love is part of your DNA. Uh, as a Christian, we should be known for loving people. People ought to know Christians. They ought to know the church for compassion and mercy and grace. They ought to know that we're benevolent people. They ought to know that we, we get along. We love each other regardless of whatever may happen. That we are working together to teach people about the love of God. That we're talking about Jesus every chance we get. We're talking about the Bible every opportunity that we have. The more that we read, in fact, if you've ever watched a TV series, you ever watched one and you go through and watch the whole series and go, hey, I'd, I'd like to watch that again. You familiarize yourselves with the characters, you're sitting down at the dinner table and somebody brings up something from that TV show and you're engaged. You know, I, do you remember episode seven? You know, do you remember when she did that or he did this? And I, I've been interested to sit around people from time to time that, that are passionate about that. 
You talk to Star Wars fans. They're passionate about Star Wars, Star Trek, Harry Potter, Downton Abbey. You name it. Whatever your favorite series is, you're all in. NCIS. I don't know what you watch, but you're, you're in. And somebody brings it up in a conversation, and you are right there. Episode 17, year four. You know, I know the story. I know the episode. I know the characters. I know who the background character was. I know who the bad guy was. What if we familiarized our Bible, ourselves with our Bible like that? When someone brings up something, anything of a biblical nature, our little radar goes on and we say, yes, that's in. And we begin to, we may not know every single uh, uh, story by heart, but we can probably, if we work at it, know where we can find it. If you are asked something about David and Goliath, we all know the story, right? We know the story of David and Goliath. He picked up how many stones? Five, took them in a sling and knocked down the giant, cuts his head off. Great story. Where is that in your Bible? Where is that in your Bible? It's in there, isn't it? I mean, uh, is it? Is it? Where's it at? Where's it at? Now, I can do Jonah, right? What, where's Jonah's story? That's in Jonah. Moses in the Red Sea. Moses the Red Sea. Moses parts the Red Sea. What book's that in? The book of Exodus. What chapter? You see, if I know so much about things that I'm interested in, what does it say to God when the most important book that I'll ever read, the only roadmap that I have for living a life for Christ, and I can't tell you what episode, what character, what verses, what words of Jesus are spoken and read? That ought to be a commitment we make is to familiarize ourselves with the Bible as well as we have familiarized ourselves with other things. People are like that with music. You bring up a, a rock band or a country artist and you say, Oh, do you remember? The, oh, yeah, I had their album back when da, da, da. I had it on vinyl, you know, or, or some of this eight track cassette. You know, I, I, I remember back when, and I know the song, and I know, the, I know all of the, the, the men or women in the band. I know all that. We ought to know our Bibles like that. Uh, not just know the story, but where it can be found. So that when somebody brings it up, go, yeah, man, that's right over here. Ezekiel and the dry bones, let me show you. The book of Ezekiel. Oh, Daniel, yeah, you know when he was, remember when he was, thrown, his, the boys were thrown into the fiery furnace, Daniel 6, and Daniel 2, Nebuchadnezzar in the image. And well, what about Saul of Tarsus? Oh, that's on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. And it ought to be recalled. Because we can recall a lot of things. Favorite books, favorite music, favorite TV series. Is we ought to familiarize ourselves with the Word of God. Because when we get to heaven, we're not going to have a trivia based on our entertainment. But we are going to be asked about our knowledge of the Word of God. We'll be judged by the words of God. So that's the top priority. Everything is nothing wrong with having entertainment. Nothing wrong with watching TV shows or listening to kinds of music, but just making sure that our priority is God first and everything else comes after. All right. Anybody want to add anything? Yes, Billy? Just, just for the record. Yes. Uh, Hebrews 4.1 and, and also Hebrews 4.11. Excellent. Yeah. Hebrews 4.1 and Hebrews 4.11. Let's read those real quick. Hebrews 4 and verse 1. Hebrews 4 and verse 1. Here you go. You got like 14 now. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come short of it. Let us have fear, 
so we don't come short. And the other one's verse 11, you said? Excellent. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. And that's when he's talking about the arguments that were made between uh, uh, Joshua and those going into the uh, promised land. He says, don't let you be a, a victim. You make sure that you are headed into your eternal rest. So that's great. That's great. I'm sure there are several more too. All right. That's all we got time for. Thank you for tuning in to today's broadcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. Also, visit our website at rayreynoldsrap.com. If you'd like to contribute to the show, content suggestions, uh, questions, prayer requests, or even if you just want to reach out to us, you can email us at rayreynoldsrap at gmail.com. Have a great day as you seek to maintain an authentic life in Christ Jesus. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214.